around 2015 out of the sudden there came this unknown group called Dawnwall and that blew me away and that was that was probably one of the purest forms of the kind of sound that I love and it had uh, loads of emotion and a lot of samples and yeah it all felt like home like coming home it feels like yeah I'm back to where like my roots or something this is the last week liquid podcast Welcome back to the Last Week Liquid podcast, the show dedicated to the world of drum and bass. My name is Simon and I produce drum and bass under the name Mill Street. And today I'm sitting down with Ernst, better known as Edlin. With his first album just out on Liquidity and being one of the better known names in the Liquid scene, I felt it was the perfect time to bring him on the show. We chat about his debut album, Landmarks, and the inspiration behind it his first time going to a drum and bass party with his dad, how people react to music differently in different parts of the world, his journey into music production and how he eventually settled on drum and bass, and a lot more. And also make sure you listen until the end, because Ernst took the opportunity to make a very special announcement regarding a future project of his. As always, Make sure to check out the Facebook group if you want to interact with the rest of the community. That's Last Week Liquid Podcast community on Facebook. Share this episode around if you enjoy it. And check out my website at www.lastweekliquid.com for access to all the previous episodes, updates on the podcast, as well as on my own music. In the meantime, I hope you're all keeping well. And as always, thanks a lot for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy the show. And we're on. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Last Week Liquid podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with none other than Ernst, better known as Edlin. With a string of releases since 2016 on the likes of Focus, Liquidity and Integral, Ernst has made a name for himself within the liquid scene. However, his latest contribution shows that he is much more than a liquid producer. With his debut album, Landmarks, Ernst revisits his childhood memories of road tripping across Europe and North America with his parents through songs that belong as much to Liquid as Deep House or UK Garage. You can catch the whole album out now on Liquidity. Ernst, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello, welcome. So we're recording this um, five days before the album comes out, but obviously when this episode comes out, the album will be out for a few weeks. So... How are you feeling a few days before the actual release? I'm actually uh, feeling quite hyped, actually. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited, though it is not like some weird, crazy stuff is going to happen. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it feels like something really cool is coming up. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to this Friday. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, um, I think, uh, yeah, I asked this question when I had Talamic uh, Elliot on the show and... I was asking him his latest uh, release, uh, Windowlight, was his biggest release to date. It was six-track EP, and I was asking him if if he felt more nervous or less nervous versus like previous releases throughout his career. Do you feel like more nervous with this one, or is it like another release? How do you feel? Well, actually, um, I never really feel nervous about doing the music. Um, I am. You know, I'm more like curious what people will think and mm. not uh, really feeling uh, 
anxious or anything. I just feel curious about what people will think. Okay. And um, yeah, so actually sometimes I, I when I go through the day, it's not like every uh, minute of the day I'm thinking about, oh, this Friday the <laughs> album will be released. Okay. I, I remember back in the day when I did my first EP for Focus, which was uh, the Grits EP. Yeah. Um, that was a different story, though. It was very, um, not very, like, um, anxious in a bad way, but in a very positive way. I was very mm-hmm. excited. And, yeah, then I really, and back in those days, I really had in my mind, like, two more days before my release comes out. This is so exciting. <laughs> but um, right now, yeah, it, it is still exciting. It's, of course, still very, very cool to have releases and being able to uh, put out music you make. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it is not like um, a really, really big special thing anymore. Okay, but it's yeah. still it's still special, but it's not like that it's on my head every single day. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've, like you've been releasing mostly with Focus and Liquidity, but for a number of years now. So obviously it's not the same. I think I, th- like the parallel for me, because I'm very new to releasing music, but for me it's like, uh, going to concerts like I w- I'm a huge rock fan and I love going to concerts and I remember very specifically the very first concert I went to was like this completely new experience and then fast forward five ten years it doesn't have like the same amazing feeling <laughs> yeah yeah I understand that as well the same for the gigs like I remember the first time going to a uh, drum and bass party that felt like crazy and insane and I the, was really hyped the days before before I was going. Yeah. And I also felt, I actually, I quite felt anxious going to my first German bass party. I think I was around 16. Oh, wow. We had, um, in the Netherlands, we had uh, German bass parties uh, organized by Major League. Major League was, uh, and still is, um, one of the better uh drum and bass parties in uh, Amsterdam and uh, yeah I remember going to my first DMB party uh, mm-hmm. that was pro- probably you know, actually my first DMB party was uh, actually Nausea Invites at oh, the well. Melkweg and yeah. the funny thing was is uh, we uh, I thought it was a concert and not a night <laughs> uh, a club night so okay. actually my dad wanted to come with me <laughs> and <laughs> then he was like oh shit Nausea is coming up around three uh, in the morning <laughs> and he was like should we go home so i missed nausea but i saw a lot, uh, lot of good djs because yeah uh, we were not expecting <laughs> that uh, it was a club night so that was kind of fun <laughs> yeah, but my, yeah. uh, my my dad really liked it so that was very funny so the- yeah later on i did went to major league and yeah going to major league was really really amazing i first for the first time i really got into drum and bass um and also into partying and going out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was just just curious, um, like, is your dad really into, like, electronic music and all of that? Because I've never been, like, I don't think my dad would be interested in going to see Noisia, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, my dad is very open-minded with music. He, he actually uh, really started enjoying electronic music over the last few years. Um, mm. Like, uh, I went uh, a couple of times to Niels Fram concerts. Oh, yeah. And, 
Yeah, also, he was, yeah, he is just really into electronic music as well. He is just exploring it. Mm. And uh, sometimes I show him some music um, that I come, ac- come, come across and uh, show it to my dad sometimes. So, mm. yeah, he is uh, very involved with uh, electronic music as well. And, mm. yeah, he was also too, very open-minded to go to that concert. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Especially when you, you're expecting a, a classic, like, regular concert and then it's it's more of a party it's like okay interesting. yeah that was that was very <laughs> funny though it was, he, he was not mad about it or anything he was like ah oh, this is fun yeah, and actually yeah. some people came across came upon me like is that your dad <laughs> <laughs> that that's fucking awesome <laughs> yeah no that's super cool i know there's like a maybe a time when we were when we were younger and kids where it wouldn't be cool to be seen with your dad but at least myself now if, if I've been to concerts with my dad and it's it's a really cool feeling to be able to share music in that way with your your parents. Yeah, that, that, that's something that changes over time. Like when I was mm. into early puberty, if my dad want, was picking me up from <laughs> school, it felt pretty, pretty shit, you know? Yeah. But um, right now, if my dad is like coming to uh, like one of my shows, it still feels, it feels really awesome to actually show my dad what I'm doing as well yeah. as... Um, my dad, my the the whole Liquisti uh, crew, for example, when I play with Liquisti, and then the, those people meeting my dad, <laughs> and that's pretty fun. Yeah, like, yeah. I have noticed that not every parent uh, these days are very supportive when it uh, when their son or daughter are getting into music production. Mm. But uh, yeah, my parents are are very supportive from the beginning, you know. Mm. And that was, uh, and that really helps as well. Like, yeah, hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just speaking about your your parents there, because fr- from what I've read and and, and heard, uh, this album that's that's coming out is heavily inspired by, as I said in the intro, trips that you made with your parents when when you were younger. Um, yeah. Can, can, can you tell me just a bit about the the concept behind the album for people maybe who haven't heard and. How did you kind of come up with with that concept? Well, yeah, uh, actually, um, yeah, the whole story behind the whole idea of uh, inspiring it by the road trips was uh, when I was thinking about the times when I was actually listening to albums, it was usually on road trips since, uh, you know, albums have a beginning and an end and some interludes and often it's like a whole journey instead of just uh, a couple of tracks. And that's what I really uh, thought as well, like a journey. And then I thought like, yeah, journey, yeah, uh, road trips. Mm. And like the road trips that I did with my parents back in the day were uh, like when I was a kid, like in the beginning, we started to really go to uh, countries like France and uh, uh, we went to Corsica, Corsica. Mm. I don't know how the... Island is called in English. Yeah, yeah, Corsica. Yeah, the, yeah, the I French, think it's the French same. island. Yeah, 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 the French island. Yeah, um, I remember going there a lot uh, by car, and uh, we really got inspired. Actually, I really loved the whole scenery when you start off in Amsterdam, where everything is just flat, and then <laughs> s- slowly it starts becoming more. You get into northern France, where it's more hills, and then suddenly you get into the the Alps, and then you then suddenly everything changes and that was pretty um i think that's pretty cool at uh, europe that it's so varied 
yeah. but uh, also uh, very important uh, later on uh, I started really going on uh, road trips in the USA and that was even more uh, strange because um, the landscapes there are can change dramatically They're like they have everything over there Mm. So you can st- and you can start off in a city and suddenly get into a big desert, <laughs> and uh, like a week later you are suddenly in a big forest uh, where everything is cold. Mm. That's pretty funny. I, I really uh, think that's also how I um, could describe my sets as well when I am DJing. Mm. Like I start off with something very uh, nice, liquidy, uh, mellow. And suddenly, halfway through my set, I just drop something that is very dark and harsh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, like some big bangers and stuff. And that's that's what I've always find cool, just just the variation, the journey, and that's how I actually uh, think about the album as well. And that's why I really mentioned the road trips uh, as yeah. an inspiration for the whole uh, album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's re- it's really cool the the parallel you have between traveling and your sets because it's true sometimes you i've I've been on road trips in the past and you're on the road and all of a sudden there's like this big mountain that appears almost out of nowhere and it's it's funny to think of the parallel between that and doing a liquid set and then just dropping a big banger in the middle of the set (laughs) i never thought of it that way but it's really cool yeah that's 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 exactly how i thought of it and that's what i what the album has as well that's like one track uh the track with nympho yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just got uploaded today on Skank and Bass. And, uh, oh, cool. You know, that's okay. like, it was the biggest contrast ever. Uh, at first, I was like, should I do this for the album? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it needs. Like a random track that's very yeah. out of place because it is like probably one of the hardest tunes I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that combined with probably one of the more very liquidy tracks that I have on the album. Uh, yeah. It just makes that little... A thing that, like what you mentioned, the random ass mountain that you will uh, suddenly see when you're going on a road trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, it's funny because I was we were talking this morning before uh, getting on the call, and you sent me the 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 private link to the album because is it it isn't out as of today, and so I, I listened to the whole album from start to finish, and yeah, you you're really in this vibe, like liquid vibe, and uh, mostly mellow tunes. And then you have I, it's warehouse warehouse tune I think yeah. it's called um, yeah it's called warehouse tor- tune yeah yeah towards the end of the album that kind of just hits you in the face and you're like oh whoa okay <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting it like kind of wakes you up at the end <laughs> yeah exactly and that was the whole intention that was like what I do all the time as well for my sets and like um, sometimes uh, especially in the Netherlands it's really you know liquid is not really that of an accepted genre it's still kind mm. of hard to really get a party going by only playing liquid mm. so often like around that time i always I was like i could play just hard tunes for the whole evening uh but i also want to really play out my liquid tunes that i found find really interesting and really like yeah and that was the reason why i thought yeah let's just combine that yeah. together and give it um my own kind of style and uh that's how my sets uh, are done in the Netherlands as well. And sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes, in, especially in in, in uh, Amsterdam, it is uh, like when I play sets, I have to play a lot of hard tunes to get the crowd going. Mm. But 
once I'm playing in London, for example, like uh, I think two years ago, I played Liquisti London. And over there, I could just play everything and it was all fine. And that was pretty, mm. that was pretty interesting for me uh, to really notice that uh, over the world, uh, people react differently to music. Ah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting because like I'm not a, I'm not a DJ and I've been to a lot of liquidity parties, liquidity festivals and, and others. But it's funny, yeah, from a, from a DJ perspective. So you do notice a big difference between doing a set in England or doing a set in, like, would there be a difference between like Belgium? Cause I'm from Belgium from between Belgium and Holland, for example, would there be a big difference in how people react to your music? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. definitely uh, like I've played Liquisti Antwerp a couple of yep. times and uh, I, re I, I really noticed there uh, that for example uh, when you play a tune uh, you have to switch up a bit earlier you have to move on to the next tune a bit quicker than uh, for example in uh, in England or in, uh, in Amsterdam okay and that was that was something that I noticed like also all the DJs that I were playing over there really dropped in their second tune way earlier for at least for my feeling than mm. that they do uh in uh in holland or especially in england where you can just play the second drop as well yeah like in, i know it's in belgium belgium they don't do not play any uh middle parts where uh, like breakdowns and stuff uh because then the crowd dies Okay. It's at least that's my experience that I we had. Ha we have a really short attention span in Belgium, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Netherlands has, uh, has the same problem, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, so you feel in, in the Netherlands, it's um, there's a, a tendency towards heavier heavier music then? Yeah, of course. Uh, Noisia and Belexum Empire are from the Netherlands. Mm. And uh, yeah, loads of, loads of hard drum and bass is just getting made here in the Netherlands. Uh, And, you know, it's because GABA came from Holland as well. They just really love the hard uh, pumping yeah. stuff. Yeah, like, you know, uh, the Netherlands have a very, has a very big hardcore and hardstyle scene. Yeah. So it's all about the hard music. Uh, I used to love hardstyle. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, I think we all have a hardstyle phase. Yeah, for me it was around 2006, 2007. When I really, there was like a little hype going on in the Netherlands and probably in Belgium as well. Called yeah, yeah. Jumpstyle. Yeah, yeah, jump style was huge. I was yeah. big into jump style for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. And then it died, and then yeah, I yeah, really never, never looked back at it again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny to think back of it. It's like these small periods in time where something was like super popular, and then everybody moves on at the same yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> and then people like jump style. Everybody forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes saying the word jump style, it was like, whoa, that's. Uh, flashback that's a flashback <laughs> that's something that i haven't heard in years <laughs> yeah no yeah those were those were good times but um mm -hmm. yeah just coming back on on the the album because yeah you yeah. mentioned that uh it was uh like you you would listen to albums when you were you were traveling and like the concept of an intro interlude outro which is is present in, in your album um Were there any albums that you like really looked up to or that you kind of inspired you in terms of their format or whatever for your own album? Definitely. Um, and I have one album that is really, that really inspired me. And it's probably the first electronic album I ever listened to in my whole life. And that was uh, Play by Moby. I think mm. you know that album. Yeah. 
it's, yeah, yeah. it's such a popular album. But um, that was actually the first album that I actually listened to, like at one of the first road trips uh, I've ever made as a kid uh, towards uh, France. And I remember my parents playing that for the first time uh, in the car and I was hooked. Mm. And since then, I actually knew that electronic music was going to be my style of music. And uh, mm. it stayed true there for years and actually still now. Like most of the time I listen to electronic music. I don't only listen to German bass, but mm. I do mainly listen to electronic music. Yeah. yeah. Wh what's so special about that album? Like obviously the tunes are, it's Moby, it's like the tunes are amazing, but... Yeah, it is. Well, I think the, the the album has a lot of different uh, kind of, you know, themes as well. Like it has a very solid theme in the beginning, like with uh, Porcelain and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, those those kinds of tunes. But it also has like uh, what was that? There was like one harder tune, more rock inspired. Okay, I think yeah, it was uh, Body Rock. Okay, yeah. Yeah, body rock. Body rock is like suddenly that's that's actually the reason why I put uh, the warehouse tune on there as well because body rock mm. was also like the track on the uh, play album that really yeah, yeah. stood out <laughs> as something completely different than the rest of the vibe, the like yeah. the whole chill and the mellow things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's probably one of the albums that really started it all. And actually, I got back into those albums uh, after my little EDM phase that I had in around. From around 2012 till uh, 2014, I had my really big EDM phase where I was only listening to Martin Garrix and stuff. <laughs> I think it had to do with puberty as well, but I kind of <laughs> liked it back then. But now um, I cannot even stand it anymore. Yeah. I cannot stand listening to it, sadly. Though I could still make it. I could still produce a, a hit single if I want to, but yeah, yeah, not really, not really making me happy anymore. But um, getting back to uh, the albums, um, I remember after that period, I really started listening to uh, people like Bonobo, and mm. uh, like uh, his albums are also very inspiring and also um, kind of match up the theme with where Moby play started. It's also very chill, mellow, and also has yeah. a little bit more sampling thing going on. Yeah, and that was also a very big inspiration for uh, the album. Like uh, all the albums that he has made uh, are also this. I also used to listen to on uh, road trips. So yeah, that's, yeah. I uh, feel like he, his album um, Migration. Like I've listened yeah. to that one. Like honestly, like back to front. Like you just start at the beginning. You listen mm -hmm. to the entire thing. I've listened to that album so many times. Never on a road trip. But I, I should definitely listen to it on a road trip because it's the perfect yeah. uh, album. It yeah. is amazing. Like I I, I uh, played it um, from the beginning to the end as well, and uh, all of these albums. Yeah, yeah. And another name, of course, that uh, I actually got into again quite recently because back as a kid I did like it a bit, but not really. But uh, right now I'm just I uh, really enjoyed burial stuff as well again. Mm. Like. Uh, I uh, just recently, uh, starting from last year, I suddenly was uh, having uh, burials albums on repeat all the time. It was, uh <laughs> yeah, I think the, I don't know if it's like a common thread, but all those albums are really moody. Like there's a lot of mood and emotions and 
I d- yeah, I don't know the like early burial stuff as well as like super moody and it, it evokes a lot of, at least when I listen to it, a lot of like images and, uh, yeah. 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 That's, that's what, that's actually the whole key of a good album. It has to do that. And, mm. um, I, I really see it like the reason why I love electronic music is because, um, like, uh, electronic music can also be very vocal based, but, um, what I just really like about that kind of music is that um, usually um, the songs are um, yeah, a little bit less uh, giving in some way. Like, um, how do I explain it? Um, like, for example, if you listen to very uh, vocal tunes, like, for example, if you listen to the top 40 hits or mm. like really sing along music, y- you get the message directly from what the intention of the song was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get the lyrics and you get, a, and especially if the lyrics are very clear, what's going on. Mm. And then it feels like it is giving everything away. And I'm like, okay, this is the situation. Okay. I know what's going on. Okay. Cool song. Next. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> well, electronic tracks, uh, especially like people like Burial, Bonobo, uh, other names, I guess Moby did that as well. They uh, still use vocals, but in a very different way where it's very uh, abstract and it's not giving away a whole. <coughs> whole situation like yeah. the, the whole uh, instrumental around it is giving some sort of vibe and it can be interpreted in various ways and that's what i think really makes uh, the electronic music very special to me mm, yeah as and a listener uh, you have to you have to work a bit <laughs> yeah you have to work you have to like so, some people's like i i'm gonna be honest i'm not reading a lot of books actually i read none <laughs> I should start reading books uh, soon. Hopefully, I, I, I just have a very short. Uh, yeah, I don't have the attention for it, <laughs> sadly. But I should actually. <laughs> but what I remember uh, is that um, when reading a book, it's also different. Where you have to like imagine a whole story yeah. around it. Like all the images are being created in your mind. Where in a movie, uh, you will see the whole, see everything uh, before you. And I think that's the same with uh, music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how I see that. That's the same thing. Like, for example, if you have a Fox Stevenson tune with uh, big vocals and uh, everybody knows what it's about, it's fun. I I, I do kind of enjoy yeah. Fox Stevenson uh, his tracks. Like, uh, it's more especially at parties. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, it is missing the. It's not really something that I would personally listen to when I'm. Uh, at home uh, or in the bus. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's funny how there, there's something very special about music being interpreted in different ways. I know I, I put out a track recently, which I thought was quite uh, nostalgic. And to me, it felt quite sad. And the piano felt very nostalgic. And it came out and then I heard, I got feedback from people saying, oh, yeah, it's a really happy tune. And I really enjoyed it. It's a almost a bit dancey. I was like, okay, I, <laughs> I didn't feel the same way, but all right. If yeah, that's, that, that, that's, <laughs> expesi- uh, that's definitely what happened. Like for example, uh, getting back to the album, uh, recently uh, the single for uh, I Found You came out mm-hmm. and people in the comments were like, wow, this is such a sad tune. I love the sad vibes on this. While <laughs> I was more into like, oh, this is like more of a hip hop urban inspired kind of yeah. tune. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I had a very different kind of uh, idea behind it. That was pretty funny. 
Yeah. Like the same thing. And that that's what I really love about this kind of music. It's just you can interpret it uh, different in different ways. Yeah. Some make them feel happy. Some make them feel sad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, like once you finish the track and once you put it out, it's, al- it's almost not your track anymore. It's like mm-hmm. it belongs to people. And if it means something to them, then that's what it becomes almost. It's it's not you. You you, you don't decide. You don't choose anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I really I really enjoy about the musical process. You you were saying that um you're not so much stressed by the release, but you're just curious to to see what people think of it. Do you have any like an idea or a sense of which tracks will resonate more with people? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, and uh, back in the day, I remember that uh, speculating which tracks will really do well is not something that I. It always comes through, for example, Intercept. Mm. I thought that was going to be like a little bonus tune that will get a couple of plays, but not being my number one most streamed tune ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that that that's how it happened. Like for also whatever you said was also like uh, I had trouble finishing that tune in the beginning. I thought like, yeah, maybe a B-side of a release or something, mm. but it ended up being the second most streamed track. And... Uh, some uh, tracks that I thought were going to be very big <laughs> just turned out to be not that much as I expected. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, if if I'm going to do a speculation on my album, I think, um, yeah, that stuff. I think uh, the, the intro of the album, Tone Travel, worked quite well. <laughs> I was going uh, to say that one. That's my yeah, favorite. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite as well. I think it's a very good... Uh, tune that has a lot of vibes and is very very also uh true to liquidity to their to their liquid sound so i mm-hmm. i think that track will do quite well and the rest we'll just see yeah some yeah. maybe something blows up out of nowhere yeah yeah no there's obviously no point speculating because it's it's beyond your control and people will decide what they like and yeah and i also did not really make uh hit singles for the whole album Neither, yeah. like, uh, in, for example, I released uh, Take a Bow, for example, and uh, also have a other very special track uh, in the works for uh, for uh, this summer, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing yet confirmed, but um, I really hope it will happen, uh, the release of that tune, and that's something that's completely the opposite of yeah. what I did for the album. So uh, the album is just mainly more pure tracks and yeah. I, will, I just i will just see maybe the album as a whole will be streamed uh and listened to more than like one specific track yeah, yeah. So but that, that's, that's also the whole intention of the, of the i was whole gonna say yeah that's, yeah, that's exactly. almost the goal <laughs> yeah that's that's what you want to do it's not yeah. like i know this album because this tune is on there but yeah, it's just yeah. uh it's it's a whole it's a it's one a whole, cohesive yeah. yeah and that's definitely a feeling i had listening it like all at once it didn't feel like there was any huge tracks like a big vocal track that comes out there's like relatively few vocals um mm-hmm. at least singing vocals so it, it really feels like a coherent story and not like a collection of tracks that are put together with like this is going to be the big single this is going to be this and it's, it feels more like a whole unit yeah uh, exactly and that was the whole intention as well like I remember when I was doing the selection for my tracks, I did had a couple of hits, 
but I intentionally decided not to put those hits on mm. the album because I thought that it does, does it's not going to make sense. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. It's funny you said the uh, ten trackers. That's the that's that's my favorite of the <clears throat> of the album. I I listened to and then I came back and I put Tantra like three four times before coming on this chat because I find that melody and the way it introduces the entire album is is really perfect. Um, mm. The other track that I really loved was the second to last one, "Endless Thoughts About the Past." Mm-hmm. Uh, can, can you tell me a bit about how that track came about? Because it's obviously very different from <laughs> your usual uh, usual stuff. Yeah, actually, that tune is actually very very old. Okay, uh, because I made it, I think, around two thousand seventeen. Oh, wow. uh, like what I said in my interview uh, for. Or like what I said about what the whole album before was. That's not all the tunes are made um, recently. Some of the tunes are made like years ago. Mm. And uh, Endless Thoughts About the Past was one of them. It was probably one of the first times I actually tried making something that is not drum and bass after only making drum and bass uh, since my release. Mm. And uh, yeah, that, that track was like in the... Like maybe I'm gonna release it once there's gonna be an album, or maybe I'm just gonna do nothing with it. And yeah, sp- uh, finally it ended up being uh, quite a nice fit for the album. Yeah. So yeah. that's how that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I don't know why those two stuck with me. I think it's just the uh, the melody. Like in the first one, it's the that lead theme that comes in, and in the the, the second to last track it's uh yeah the piano chords that play and and loop loop around i feel very very moody and a very nice conclusion to the album before the outro so yeah, yeah. i really enjoyed those two tracks mm-hmm. yeah. yeah good thank you um i want to just shift slightly from um from the album and just dig a bit uh, in the past because you said you had a big uh, edm phase <laughs> a few years ago <laughs> yeah uh, um that was actually indeed a thing uh, uh it was probably around 2011 till 2014 when i was really into uh like edm music and it was also around the time when suddenly uh skrillex popped up uh uh, so, and uh, the trance, the whole trance sound kind of died off, and it, there was like this new wave of, uh, of uh, EDM. Like also, people like Martin Garrix were coming up, and uh, yeah. yeah, around that time, uh, the whole the whole EDM thing was very high. It was exploding back then, and uh, yeah, I got kind of into that as well because it was, it felt fresh, it felt uh, evolving, and yeah, around that time, I really didn't know anything else that was uh, around really so that's what I was making and was listening to mm. for around uh, three years I think four years and uh, eventually uh, I really think I got kind of got tired of it uh, because um, I started to think uh, people were getting too repetitive and doing the same thing over and over again and I really started to realize that people were doing it for the money as well mm. and around that time I was like no this is not who I am or what I really like because before that you know m- listening to Moby and listening to more I also had a techno phase before that mm. even though I did not really know any techno artist I 
or as a really young kid, I loved to make techno because I wasn't that good of a producer and <laughs> uh, I didn't uh, know how to make any big things so I could make some very simple techno things. Mm. But yeah, I thought uh, that was the whole thing. So I started to quit actually. Uh, and the, re- the reason was uh, because uh, I actually got uh, some demos that were uh, kind of good, already quite good. I thought back in the days, but they got rejected by the labels mm. and everything I made got rejected by labels. And I knew somewhere that if I would uh, keep on going, I would get there. But I just started to realize that it's not my thing that I really love. And mm. yeah, that was the reason to uh, to quit and look for something else. So then I really got into like dubstep and some more of the less uh, top 40 chart uh, EDM. <laughs> so I remember listening more to stuff like Monster Cat and also some dubstep that was uh, around, around 2014, I think. And mm. then I found about Noisia and stuff. So mm. then I really rediscovered the whole drum and bass thing. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, and then I found out that Liquid existed. And in the beginning, it was all the the, the uh, mainstream uh, Liquid that I liked, or it wasn't actually called. Yeah, it was called Liquid, but actually it's dance floor. Mm-hmm. I think people should say dance floor instead of Liquid, because <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there were like tracks like uh, Metric and uh, yeah, Madhuk uh, was also um, music I uh, listened to back then. And then I found about... Uh, and then later on, I found people like Caliber out of the sudden. I was like, whoa, this is something that feels more true to what I was listening to as a kid. Mm. And f- I, I just really got, s- suddenly I got really hooked to that organic kind of sound where it's not completely squashed with uh, big <laughs> multiband compressors. I just had a discussion about multiband compression uh, just a minute ago <laughs> with someone. Mm. And I really think that is really killing the vibe for me when... Yeah. You have tracks and everything is like big and squashed and you, you only use Serum and uh, OTT and uh, those kinds of big sounds. And I think, you know, it's cool. And it's it's kind of like uh, an electronic uh, metal uh, kind of vibe. But mm. I, that's not my thing because I never really was into metal. Yeah. And I just was really into the more mellow and... Uh, that kind of music where it's not about the heart, but it's about expression. Yeah. And that's what I um, really f- f- found back when I was started to listen to Caliber and Logistics as well, and all those kinds of artists that are that were very that are very popular these days now still. But yeah. that was probably the only real big people that were around. And then I got into, and later on, uh, like around 2015, out of the sudden. There came this unknown group called Donwall, and <laughs> yeah. that blew me away because that was very, and that was that was probably one of the purest forms of the kind of sound that I loved. Like it was mm. still very groovy, it was very funky. It had a lot of had a lot of swing that I never heard before, and it had uh, loads of emotion and a lot of samples, and yeah, it all felt like home, like coming home from. Mm. <laughs> Going yeah. from Martin Garrix, where I just <laughs> did not feel at home, actually, yeah, till yeah. where I am now, where it feels like, yeah, I'm back to where, like, my roots or something. Yeah. 
yeah, it's really cool to hear how you like made a full circle starting listening to to Moby and quite organic quote unquote music, road tripping and then exploring house, EDM, dubstep, different genres, all mm-hmm. the way back to something that would be considered a lot more similar to Moby and what you listened to back in those days. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's very funny as well. Like I, I, it's still funny that I came upon Liquistia after being into dance floor and uh big mm. big drum big sounding drum and bass and uh right now I'm just uh all into the whole minimal uh organic liquid uh, underground kind of sound. Yeah. This is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's quite uh, unique. <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's really cool. It's like some people know from the start like okay, this is the genre I want to produce and they dive into it and then that's it. And for a lot of people it's more trying different things and then you get bored of it or it doesn't really feel true to you and then you move on to the next thing and then finally you mm-hmm. found something that really resonates with you and you're like okay this is my thing <laughs> yeah that's exactly what happened and though so some people uh were thinking that i was just being uh like rebellious against uh the whole edm thing because i remember uh some of my friends saying like why did you stop making EDM? Because you were so good. If you just worked a little bit harder, then you would definitely sign to something like spinning or something. Mm. And in in the beginning, I did kind of feel like, yeah, maybe I am uh, like uh, preventing trouble or um, running away from the, my problems. Yeah. yeah. But uh I did actually, in the end, it felt more like running to what I really wanted to do instead of mm. uh, going for something that you quite do not like and uh, go 100% for it, even though you don't like it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah no, absolutely. It's super important because it's coming back to an episode I recorded with Telamic and he, he was saying that he has a... He still has, but he had another alias called his own name, Elliot Berger, where it was more that type of not EDM but I'd say like chill step kind of music but more mainstream than than drum and bass and mm-hmm. he was getting like like big numbers like streaming wise on those tracks but he said at some point it just didn't feel like music he actually wanted to make uh and that's why he focused more on drum and bass even though like if you just look at numbers it was more popular but that doesn't mean anything if you don't really identify with it yeah, exactly, and I uh, absolutely agree with his choice uh, mm. about that. Um, because, yeah, indeed, so for example, uh, there are still some tunes. Like, um, I, I personally don't have tunes that uh, got that big of no- those big numbers, but uh, I could understand it if you're like in that situation that uh, streams do not matter anymore for you. I also sometimes had the idea, like, if I could produce... Uh, some very big uh, cheesy EDM hit <laughs> and uh, maybe a couple maybe, or maybe do once a year make like one big banger and I will just get most of the royalties from it I will, it will be a very good source of income and, and, yeah. I, and I can make um, all kinds of uh, liquid and uh, maybe some deep house and garage uh, things that I really love besides it and I'm not worrying about my fa- financial situation anymore mm. <laughs> because there's still like one big hit going around uh, that makes sure that I can uh, yeah. pay the rent. 
know, that's something such sometimes I think about doing something like that. And and I think multiple people do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because that would be amazing if you could just, you know, I'm already doing it. I'm right now I'm living off music. It is not very big. It's not like that. I have a lot of money, but I can make and meet and and meet. Mm. No, I can pay the rent and I can, uh, buy food i still live with my parents though but mm. for now it's fine since i do have my own studio complex in yeah. uh, in the next to a city in amsterdam it's called sandam mm. and uh, there i have my studio where i just do my stuff that's where i'm located right now <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah it's, quite, it's a recent studio as well no you yeah it's it, like, pretty recent uh, yeah. i built it uh, a year ago uh, yeah, yeah. After nice. um, <laughs> going, after deciding to go uh, do music full time, I just uh, finished uh, my uh, my uh, school for music production. Actually, I did music production school, and once I was done with school, I thought, yeah, I need to go somewhere uh, instead of go- staying at home all the time. Mm-hmm. And that turned out to be a very good decision since uh, COVID happened, <laughs> and I could not imagine having to stay at my parents' house for uh, um, for more than a year uh, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. make music. Like, I'm really happy that I can go outside and go to my studio and sleep somewhere else. So yeah. I will still have to go outdoors, you know? Yeah. it's um, Actually, it's a, a, a topic I wanted to chat about. It's because, um, uh, yeah, I read that you, you you're doing music full-time and I think for... A lot of people, not everybody, but some people, it, it would be a goal to be able to live off um, music or being involved in music. So I know you work also at Focus, um, Focus Recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious, like in terms of if, if you want to chat about it, obviously, but in terms of like uh, income streams, like where do you do you pull music for uh, money from to make a living from from music? Yeah, I actually had to chat about uh, that with my parents yesterday. <laughs> actually, from everywhere. Uh, like, sometimes I get some royalty statements and they look very good. Sometimes mm-hmm. they, yeah, they always are quite nice. They actually get better each uh, each each uh, quarter. So mm-hmm. that's something that I'm really happy about. And uh, for yeah, focus. I just do some uh, freelance work. I help them with. Uh, making posts and uh, uploading everything to SoundCloud and to uh, YouTube and stuff. And yeah, it is pretty easy work, but um, it, 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 it sort of gives me some extra money. And then uh, I also do coaching. I yeah. uh, coach artists uh, who I think has potentially the talent to actually yeah, get signed and uh, get somewhere. Uh, but are still like struggling with uh, finishing tracks or having the final mix down ready or also having uh, also contact because also that's probably the mm. hardest thing, getting to know the people that matter and are um, getting you, are know the people who are uh, owning labels, you know. Mm. Uh, I really had that issue in the beginning as well. Like it was very hard to get to know people uh, involved into drum and bass mm. so uh, for me how it happened was I uh, was at a DJ school uh, and I actually met uh, Bardo aka Nympho mm-hmm. because he was ha- he, he rented a studio there 
we still rent a studio there actually. And yeah, they, they got in touch with the DJ school uh, who was also located in the same building. And that way they got into contact and uh, uh, he offered, actually Nimvo offered me some uh, something similar that I do right now with my students is uh, a coaching uh, program where he assisted me uh, making tunes and mm. use his network to get uh, my music out, you know? Yeah. And that that's how I got into uh, the situation where I am right now with... Uh, having close contact li with liquidity and with focus and also having my skills as a producer on level where my tracks can get signed. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's, I've heard that so many times, but it's, uh, it's like a reality of, of music is, is often as much, uh, what you know, but who, you know, uh, mm. and how to, yeah, connecting with the right people at the right time to put your music out. It's not just about making great tracks. It's about the people you know and connecting with them and, and all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, how, many, how many students do you have at the moment? Like, what does it um, look like? Right now, I, I kind of lost count. I'm very not... <laughs> with, I'm not a numbers guy. Okay. But some of the people that I really am coaching right now, so, uh, I'm coaching uh, a guy called TZ. Mm -hmm. uh luke is his real name and he makes uh yeah just banging tracks he's kind of better than me sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah i i actually uh do not really constantly coach him per se like doing sessions with him but i do uh work with him and have him involved and in giving him a network mm. and another student that, that i'm really coaching is uh a guy that goes by the name of fintain think i hope i pronounced his name right mm -hmm. uh hopefully i did and uh also uh we have we have as well we have a new guy that i recently started coaching called phil mm -hmm. he goes by the name of john moon mm -hmm. also a guy that makes some very cool tracks that i am uh helping out to get on level and mm. Yeah, some others as well. Like uh, we have Ed, who's making some very big tunes as well. Subspace, Sutley. Yeah, Sutley was uh, Ed, actually. <laughs> so those are the people that I'm concentrated on coaching right now. So, mm. And another thing that I uh, actually never uh, really publicly announced before, but uh, <laughs> this will be I'm the first time saying it. I'm exclusivity, actually, uh, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to launch a label. Um, oh, wow. at some point after uh, the album, which is going to uh, be exclusively for people who are in the coaching uh, uh, okay. in the coaching um, scene uh, or in the coaching uh, project that I am uh, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, it's not like a random cool. demo where it's not like a random label where people all can send demos to. It's exclusively for the people that I coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some of my friends that I know but uh, mainly it's a pretty exclusive label. And that's because yeah. I really want to, you know, um, really help the people, they really help the artists uh, to get music uh, sounding proper and not just mm. give, just releasing tunes that sound good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's a super cool idea. 
I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's uh, how I'm doing it. Yeah. So, how how did you get the idea to like actually set up a label for your students? Um, actually, that was because I um, started to. Uh, I, I actually uh, always wanted to start a label. Uh, like years ago, I already wanted to start a label myself. But it started off uh, first uh, when I um, like actually I did run a label before with mm. uh, a lot of other people that still exist. It's called Differential. You might yeah, have yeah. heard of it. Yeah, yeah, I um, loved, uh, yeah. loved that music. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> they they still put out some great tunes. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I remember, yeah, starting that with some friends, or actually it was someone else's idea. But um, that was a very cool project. But I decided that uh, doing it with a group of people was not really my thing that I wanted to do. So I decided to. Mm. Uh, move on with something else and they are still doing great stuff so i'm really happy that that's off the ground but i just felt like i think i should really do something that is truly uh done by myself instead of yeah. a group of people so that was the reason why i uh started this label that i'm going to start yeah i don't know when it's gonna be published public yet or when the first release is coming out um mm. That's something that I cannot really talk about yet because nothing has been confirmed so far. Sure, other yeah. than that, the label will be coming somewhere, hopefully this year. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. So the, yeah, that's uh, the label project that I'm on. Yeah, that's yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I actually now that you mentioned it, I remember talking um, with Lennis. He was on episode ten, I think, of of this podcast. And I, I'm pretty sure he mentioned you at that time when we were talking because he works, he does A&R for Differential now. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think he mentioned you at that time, but I, I forgot about it. Yeah, but, he, uh, uh, he actually followed me up. Uh, he replay, kind of replaced me. And uh, okay, I'm yeah, really yeah. happy that that happened. I'm really, really happy for them to have someone like uh, Lennis uh, yes. selecting the music, uh, being part of mu music selection, because now I th really think uh, the label is really doing quite well uh, yeah. with him. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. They put up <clears throat> like really quality stuff. And uh, from... From what I enjoy, like the music, like Stike, he was on the uh, on the show as well. But I love his music. I think they've put out uh, an EP from Oris as well. Yeah, actually, a lot of uh, Dutch people. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> fun fact is that I all, I think I almost all know them personally. Uh, the yeah. whole differential squad, squad, I really uh, know personally. Uh, sadly, their content has been a little bit less since COVID, but I yeah. would really. Once COVID is over, I would really love to meet up with them uh, more often because they're still my friends, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought as well, because uh, I thought when the, when you're running a business with a group of people, and especially with your friends, it sometimes eats away the friendship somehow or it, mm. it, it makes friendships a little bit tougher or you're going to be seeing each other as colleagues yeah. at some point. And uh, that's why I thought, no, I should not. Re that's also a reason why I left, because I just wanted to keep them being friends instead of colleagues, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah, it was better. And it wasn't really a negative thing. It was not like I was leaving. It was not a hard leave, but I was just thinking mm. about it for quite some time when I, like two years ago, I thought about it a lot. And then I decided yeah. to, to to move on and uh, really happy yeah. that I uh, made that decision. It's, uh yeah and also for them i think they really are what they should be at this point mm. yeah 
Yeah, no, it's great. And it it gave you like the experience for this this new label that you're gonna launch because you have experience Definitely, with differential yeah. with focus. So it gives you a lot of perspective and experience for this new yeah, new thing the experiences i definitely built up over the years uh with uh, the experience that i had with labels so yeah I'm, I'm i'm also a little bit nervous of course uh that's something that makes me more nervous oh, than just yeah. the release okay finally <laughs> starting we up it. a label is definitely <laughs> something else because there are lots of uh, financial things that you have to take care about and mm. think about but um yeah that's uh Definitely something that is um, something that 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 makes me a bit more anxious than uh, a release. <laughs> I, yeah, now I can understand. But but, uh, I'm, but I'm but I'm very optimistic actually, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm quite confident that I hopefully can put something together mm. that will work. Uh, yeah. Do, we'll, do you we'll have see. a name? Do you have a name um, for the? Name? I cannot say the name yet. It <laughs> okay. will be. It will be an. Uh, a big announcement once. That yeah, yeah. Happen. No, that that that's how it should be. Make a big uh, a big thing out of it. Um, yeah, exactly. No, definitely. Okay, so we did find something that you you are a bit stressed about because I was getting the <laughs> feeling you never get stressed, and I was like, that's not fair. But uh, no, okay. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm I'm getting stressed, but usually about about the whole stress thing. I usually get more stressed about things like uh, accountancy. Like doing mm. accountancy, like uh, finan- financially, I'm not really stressed, but doing stuff that involves the government <laughs> and that kind of stuff, that's making me more anxious. Like, for example, uh, uh, making a, uh, like, uh, renewing my passport or ID card sometimes <laughs> makes me more nervous than uh, playing a gig. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. So standing in <laughs> front of like a thousand people or more, that's fine. That's just fine, but. Oh, going to the to the to the government uh, or how do you call it in Dutch? Yeah, building agency, whatever. Yeah, agency. Yeah, yeah. So getting the getting my ID card renewed and making some uh, some photos is is making me more nervous than <laughs> the gigs, and as well for um, the things that make me nervous. Yeah, every everything that involves government. Somehow. also walking uh, past some uh, police. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, not not that I've done something bad, but it's, I don't know. It's just it's just there's some weird feeling that comes across me. Like yeah, if yeah, I do yeah. something stupid right now, I'm fucked, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but standing in front of uh, like even uh, you know playing main stage on Liquidity is like no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. That's fine. actually um, it's a question I asked. Um, uh, faint when I had him on the on the show uh, because he's done a lot of big shows as well and I think he played at uh, at Rampage and um, and he said he doesn't really get stressed anymore it's like he'll get like hyped but not stressed but he said the first I asked him when he started doing live streams how that felt versus playing live and he said it's he felt almost more at least at the start more stressed or anxious doing a live stream like DJing versus actually being in the room and i found that like really interesting i don't know if it's the same for you um for me it is not really but it is different definitely um with the whole live streams going on uh you get direct feedback from people instead of having someone in a crowd where you cannot hear them if they really think your set sucks (laughs) if your set sucks then you will know because it will be in the chat yeah yeah, if your set sucks and I said, now you will also know that if it really sucks, you the 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 room will be empty. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a little bit tougher to really know if the 
the crowd is feeling it or not uh, compared to a uh, chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's so, it's it's not too hard like getting the feedback directly because if I saw mm-hmm. one person say, "Oh, this set sucks," I'd, I'd be like, "Okay, shut, shut off. I'm <laughs> I'm out of here." <laughs> yeah, just, so luckily I'm not feeling that stressed about that uh, mm. either because there's always someone who is not liking it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but for whole uh, the whole music live streams, it is. Um, you know, pretty uh, pretty doable, I think. It's not that... Uh, I think for me, it's not that tough. I'm not... I, For example, what I do feel more stressed about is um, doing live stream uh, pr- production, doing live streams mm. while showing off my production. Usually, mm. I'm just not very good at it because I am not the biggest entertainer or YouTuber or something. <laughs> I'm just, you know, making my tunes. So I just stay quiet when I'm making my music. I'm not yeah. talking about what I'm doing. So while some other people really can explain every little thing that I do uh, in a perfect, uh, nice sentence, while I just make some random sentences. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, cannot really think about a good explanation of what I'm doing. Mm. So that's something, that's the reason why I sometimes live stream, but I did not decide to constantly do live streams since i thought yeah i cannot really properly explain what i'm doing and also mm. hype up the chat is something that i'm <laughs> not very good at so uh, yeah yeah live streaming is fun i still do it sometimes because it's fun to see people joining and uh seeing my how i work mm. but it's not uh, like that i can do a weekly sometimes like for example um flight now known as Oh, it was his new name again. <laughs> just uh, Justin Hawks. Yeah, thank you. The Justin Hawks. Yeah, I remember him doing uh, live streams all the time, and he was so energetic and so professional, and was always uh, very clearly understandable, and it was always mm. fun to watch. Uh, yeah, he moved to another time zone, and since then, I really could not uh, keep up with his streams anymore, sadly. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was a lot of fun back then. Yeah, and I always enjoyed watching it, but. I was just not able to uh, get on this level, you know. And some other guys as well were doing live streams are just sometimes way better at explaining or mm. keeping things hyped and also promoting their stream that loads of people watch. Like I, I do not have time for that. And, uh, yeah. Or I actually yeah, do have time, but I'm just feeling too lazy for that. You know? <laughs> yeah, but it's... Yeah, because live streaming, it's it's a lot of work. Like it's not it's not just jumping behind a camera. There's a lot of like logistics that go into it, and then promoting yeah. the live stream before and uh, getting audio proper. Since the last yeah. live stream, I just had problems with audio, and then there was like an update of OBS and stuff, and I did not know where <laughs> everything was located, <laughs> so I could not get my ch- my 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 uh, microphone in mono mode. So suddenly, uh, only the left ear was. Ah, uh, oh, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. Uh, that, but, that's, uh, that's the reason why I don't really live yeah. stream too often. Yeah, but I mean, in the end, anyway, it's like it's a completely different skill set to be yeah. like making music or being able to explain your process is like or DJing or whatever. It's like completely different skill sets, and not everybody is meant to be able to do everything. I think it's no, definitely, and um, yeah, that's what I agree on. Agreed on as well. I cannot be like the perfect human being there's always something that (laughs) is that you can't do there are things you can do and there are things you're just not good at yeah so and that's fine and that makes life interesting (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, yeah, and no, absolutely. It's about focusing on. I think at least it's about focusing on your strengths and yeah. and really pushing. Yeah, focusing on that. But uh, hard facts. Yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it at. I really yeah. enjoyed this chat, Ernst. Uh, yeah, that was fun. That was thanks really a lot. Fun. Thanks a lot for your time. Um, before we stop recording, maybe let people know um, where they can reach out to you. Any. I don't know if you have any upcoming projects because your album just just dropped, but uh, anything else that you want to plug in? Uh, yeah, if you want to contact me, you can uh, just uh, DM me on Instagram. And I also, I don't really have a lot of confirmed releases or confirmed things post my album, but you will definitely see, you will definitely see uh, new stuff. Uh, if you like me on Facebook or on uh, Instagram, then you will be updated mm. on uh, what will happen. All right. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for your time. Everybody go check out the uh, Landmarks album. It's out on Liquidity, out on all platforms. Go and buy it uh, if you have the money, obviously, or stream it. Uh, and yeah, thanks again for your time. Really enjoyed this. Yeah, thank you. Awesome.